Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lira podcast, the podcast that does deep dives into the best, worst and middest of comic books, graphic novels and sometimes mangas. I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my impressionable co-host, it's Jamie. I don't think I'm impressionable. And again, none of these really apply to you. I say none, some apply. Well, but... why, why, no, you can't use descriptors for me that don't apply to me. That's just bad workmanship. Do you want to go through the list of all the previous descriptors and go oh, go over whether they actually applied or not? Yes. I'm just doing a bit. It's like, a, what's the word this week kind of thing. If no, people are this paying is the whole podcast now. What, describing whether you're impressionable or not? Yeah. Is there been a moment where you've been, your decision has been influenced by some outside forces? Well, yeah, but because no, everyone has, that's why that's why it applies. Well, yeah, but everyone's impressionable to a degree. I'm not particularly impressionable, though. No, but it technically, in fact, if anything, I'm quite stubborn. Yeah, but every I feel like everyone goes through periods of impressionability and stubbornness. You know, yeah, it depends what the source is. It's like people who are like, I would never be uh, swayed in my opinion, and then you find out they have some like fanatical obsession with someone who's telling them how to think. But they claim to be a free thinker in every other aspect. You know what I mean? I do. I know exactly what you mean. Joe yes. Rogan fans. Anyway, um, <laughs> welcome back to the podcast. As you see from the title, <laughs> it's about Joe Rogan. As you can see from the title, we are not doing Avatar Last Airbender like we said last week. And I'll tell you now, if you're sticking with us for the long haul, and I think you should, because I think we do. We do a great product. We are going to do this every once in a while, if not more so, where we say we're going to do something next week and then plans change, schedules change and all that bollocks. Real life, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we live real lives, which I'm still pissed off about. My actual life got in the way of that one a bit. Yeah, but again, I'm pissed off that we have actual lives that we need to attend to at all. Like, Really? Yeah, I'd rather just be doing this for like 24 hours hours a day, seven days a week. That sounds like hell. What, podcasting all the time? Yeah. Nah, so I reckon it'd be fun. As long as the audience won't mind my eight hours of sleep. <laughs> and then <laughs> after eight hours of silence, like, well, I'm back on now. There was a guy I saw who was trying to catch every single Pokemon he could with, like, a 3DS and a Switch, maybe. And, like, so he was going through every game that was available on those consoles, and he was live streaming it consistently during that time. Mm. And so he live streamed himself sleeping. Um, and he, you know, he was only averaging like five or six hours a night. Damn. Um, but he was live streaming, and then I think he had other people like doing stuff in the corner of his stream. But he like, like I watched a YouTube video about it. Mm. He just kept streaming. It's fucking mental. The good one I saw was H Bomber guy. He did one back in the day. He was playing Zelda, I think it was, uh, but it was for like a trans charity thing, okay. and he he didn't know how successful it was going to be, so he was just. Like, I'll do it for a couple of hours. Maybe I'll, we'll get like a couple quid and then I'll send it to the charity. Yeah. And then it got so popular that like celebrities and like, um, I can't remember the politician's name, OC something, AOC, AOC. Um, she yeah. joined as well. And he was like, oh, I have to keep playing now. And he played, <laughs> he did like 72 hours or something. But when he was asleep, he just put a, a fake skeleton in the seat instead of him but then people would just keep the chat going while he was yeah, out and like course. sharing stories and stuff yeah and they end, he ended up like at least thousands maybe tens of thousands for charity so basically what i'm saying is we should do that but it's just us talking about comics for like days on end 
no. with no breaks at all. No. Anyway, tune back in when we do our charity live stream. But as I said, from the title, you can see we are not doing Avatar Last Airbender. No. Probably not next week. Maybe the week after. We will see how it goes. Um, but instead, this one, uh, this episode, we are covering World Tree, or as I like to call it, W0 World yeah, that one. That's the appropriate name, isn't it? If, you, if you're being grammatically correct about it, right? Well, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, covering this one, because not only it's a popular title recently, but it's also by a popular comic book uh, writer who we have enjoyed some titles of in the past. Uh, one James Tinian, or Tinian the Fourth. I did look up correct pronunciation before. Is that the... Um... The Nice House on the Lake. Nice guy. House on the Lake and Something's Killing the Children. Yeah, there's a definite theme in his comic books. I've there? noticed a few themes, which I'm, I'm <laughs> eager to get into. Um, but yeah, so World Tree or World Zero Tree 33, um, written by James Tini IV and uh, art by Fernando Blanco, um, along with Eisner Award-winning colorist Jordi Belair and Eisner-nominated letterer Aditya Bidika. And... What's interesting is Eisner Award nominated letterer. I um I'm not trying to denigrate or anything. I'm honestly interested what award winning lettering looks like as opposed to non award winning lettering. What did they and win that, the award for? Uh, for lettering. Well, actually, yeah. To refer, so I know you are correct. Eisner Award nominated letterer does not necessarily mean they were nominated for lettering. So yeah, you are, absolutely. You've spotted the hole in the logic there, and I I appreciate that. Um. So yeah, that was that was going to be a ten minute run, and uh, you just <laughs> popped a hole in that. So we'll just move swiftly Using on. Using logic, so you've caught me in a in a weirdly lucid moment. That's why I'm trying to bring the energy up for my side. Yeah, so I um I dopamine farmed pretty hard today. Uh, and, Is that any, a Nintendo game? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> any ADHDs who listen will know what that means. Um, I dopamine farmed pretty hard today. Kind of hyper focused on a few things. Lost the day. So I've essentially used I've I've used about a month's worth of productivity today, just making stuff. Um, and so my, my I'm very lucid and I'm very aware, but I'm also very quiet. Which is going to be an interesting turn for normal uh, episodes. Well, certainly for a podcast. Yeah, but again, I'm carrying. I don't I'm, think I'll do the want, heavy lifting. So. I don't think you want me to be quiet and reflective. <laughs> I mean, that's for the eight-hour gap when we go to sleep for the live stream. Right, okay. I'm not letting go. It's when, an, I'm, when I'm just in chat. Yeah, it's an established idea now. But so you're feeling up to at least to uh, discuss this title, first well, five I issues mean, of I it? I kind of have to. I mean, I'll put you in, I'll put you in a corner. So <laughs> I've, I've only read a few of them. So You're enough. Today, I, 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 I made some jewellery today. Mm. Well, so the, the, there's this thing, right? It's a, it's a, it's a St. Christopher's out amulet. Like a little coin, and you and they were they were a popular gift for like in Britain at least when you christened a child. He's a pa- he's the patron saint of travel. Travel. He's a he's a saint. But I got a new um, bale for it. I don't know if you know what a bale is. Bale of hay. No, it's ben the no. it's the little hook that a pendant sits on. Right. And I acquired one of those, and then cut the old one off and put it on, and like soldered it together myself today. So like that that was pretty careful work that took quite a lot of focus and energy and I'm quite proud of it. Mm. Um so I had to get it in the podcast because this is the reason I'm quiet today is because I expended all of my energy making jewelry earlier. So you thought I might as well get it for a minute or so of content at the very least. Well, I so unlike you Ryan, mm. <laughs> I don't go through life cuz you 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 used to be a stand-up. Failed stand-up, yes. 
not failed. I mean, I'm not famous, so I'll, <laughs> I class that as uh, failed. I, don't, I mean, we have a very different relationship with, with success and failure. Absolutely. Um, but as a stand-up, surely you went through your life just farming your life for content all the time, right? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, I don't do that. Mm. I actually quite just enjoy the day my day-to-day existence. That sounds so humdrum that I could not possibly fathom what that would be like. I just like going through the motions of my day. Nah, I'm a planner. I'm like, how can I make the most? How can I, you know, make the most of this and capitalize on this for for personal gain? You know, and podcasting about comic books is the way that you've chosen to do that. It seemed like it was in my wheelhouse. You should you know? have been trade. You should be trading forex. Nah, that seems <laughs> that sounds boring though. Like that sounds like actual work. You know. Yeah, this and I don't want to scam people. So I was like, well, if I just chat about comics, I'll just put it out there. And it's like, whoever wants to listen can listen, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of comics, talking about this one, uh, what? how would you describe the story of uh, this week's comic? <laughs> Ryan, that's unfair. No, because I've covered your ass for the past couple. So now... Well, I've barely read any of it. Now the bell tolls for thee. Did you just reference Hemingway? I mean, Metallica, technically. Who were referencing Hemingway? Uh, maybe. Who knows? I know! There's <laughs> a book called For Whom the Bell Tolls by Ernest Hemingway. Uh, disagree, but uh, go on. What? <laughs> no! That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. So, like, to be honest with you, the story's kind of a shit show. So there's a computer virus that compels people to do murders, I think. And we're introduced to this lad and his not-quite-girlfriend. They kiss a bit, don't they? They kiss a bit. It's his friend that he likes mm. to make out with sometimes. That's one of my issues. So they're kind of meant to be our age, aren't they? They're about 30s. I feel like they would have used, like, situationship or something, which is a parlance I've recently learnt. So <laughs> maybe that's, like, that would be the thing, you know, yeah. that they would use. Potentially, yeah. It seems like they were written by someone who's not within that age group but was just kind of struggling to put together the concept. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because the characters are quite obviously millennials because they talk about having 4chan when they were teenagers, mm. which is us. Our age it's, group, yeah. our, it's absolutely our age group. Like, I remember going on 4chan, which is probably isn't something you should admit in public, is it? I mean, you know, everyone dabbles, and then once you get to a certain point, you go, I shouldn't be on here, and then you log off. Yeah, no, I always... But I, I then only you have 4chan went... Lite, which is Reddit. Yes. Well, yeah, they're similar, aren't they? I only ever went on R Funny. Oh, the subreddit Funny. No, 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 no. So the four there was because there was the 4chan. There were there were lots of different. Like... I've never been on 4chan to be fair. Did you so... never go no, on 4chan? No, 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 so over it. 4chan had a bunch of different subs, and mm. there were the really weird ones, and then there was just like the Memes funny, yeah, the funny meme one, and that's kind of where I spent most of my time on 4chan is looking at memes well i think that's going to give us an interesting relation to the story as a whole because i think there are some messages and you know deeper there, meanings and stuff well there were some pretty dark corners of the internet back then yeah and i think that's like a very very prime messaging in this uh yeah totally theme in this type in this text anyway yeah so, i think you've nailed the story basically. so yeah the kid's little brother does some murders because of a computer virus a crack team of hackers is assembled yep, yep. to fix the problem. Very, the 90s or late 80s film Hackers, yeah, which I've absolutely. not even seen, but I've heard enough stuff from that it's, it reminded me of that. And then, yeah, there's a naked murder lady as well, literally described by the police as a naked murder lady. And they're not wrong, but I do have some issues with that whole concept. 
which well, we'll get into. I mean, I've not read enough to fully... Like, you know more about it than I do, right? Uh, not that much more. Like, not that much more is revealed in what I read. Okay. So you're not going to be that far lost. You've, at most, like, I've read some a plot point or two, mm. which I can just tell you when we get to them, or you'll yeah. hear me talking about them. But there's there's not really been any kind of explanation about what's going on. I want to criticize some of the explanation we've been given so far, because some of it sounds ridiculous. And I'm, I, I, we want to return. I want to return to this conversation about how much can you suspend your disbelief versus contrived concepts. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And again, that's foreshadowing. We'll get. So into. let's starting with the arting. Starting with the arting. Kind of weak. I think most of the time it was serviceable. Um, it reminded me a lot of um some. It reminded me the drawing reminded me a lot of Nice House and Lake. I don't know if it's the same artist or not. Um, oh, you see, it reminded me more of... Something's Killing the Children? No, um, where the body was. Yep, yep, a little bit of that, yeah. So we've kind of got... They're aiming for more of this photorealism. Um, there are a couple of moments where the character models, it really looks like they were using like famous people as the art models for them, and clearly they weren't. But this guy looks a lot like Pete Doherty. Yep. And in in that particular panel where he's nuzzling them titties, he looks a lot like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, but he did. He the character model does, doesn't he? Yeah, but you see what I mean. No, so like the art was perfectly fine, but also wholly uninspiring. So I found I it, it was fine for me, and then I uh, I enjoyed some of the the. Some of the parts where they did more like riskier choices or like just experimented with some stuff like and I, and a lot of it was quite contextual as well, which I mm. always appreciate. It wasn't just weird for the sake of weird. It was like related to the story. So like prime example is the glitching in the pages. Yeah. Which not only is just thematically like what the story is about. It's it's not computer virus as such. It's it's hidden Internet, essentially. Like yeah. that's the kind of thing. But there's this glitching that happens when someone's interacting with this internet. So mm. it does something there and the page reflects it. So I enjoy, as I said, contextual art choices like that. Um, there was flashback scenes, which were all sepia toned, which, again, is just kind of a useful tool. It's kind of tried and it's been, it's been done a lot before, but it's it works. Fine. Yeah, like it does a job. Like we're in the past. We're in the past or in Mexico. Like it's one of those two. Because <laughs> those are the only sepia tone places. If you Mexico. have a flashback, if you have a flashback in Mexico, does it go double sepia? Is there like everything hard orange then? Yeah, yeah it's like you've put two Instagram photos on it. Exactly. Yeah. But this is the thing. It it just looks like they've whacked an Instagram filter on it. Um. Yeah. I mean. I really appreciate the art of the splash panels, the rare few there are. I was super let down by it, but only because I'd come to expect such great things from this particular writer. Like because... the artist he chooses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because mm. um, Some Things Killing the Children looked really good. Nice House on the Lake looked fantastic. Mm. And this was just a bit meh. It was very middling. And that's okay. And there was nothing overtly bad happening. like. You know, everything that's supposed to look human, everything, all of the characters that are supposed to look human, look human. Yeah. And um, there's enough distinction between them. However, you know, the main female FBI agent. Yes. Who has an eye patch for some reason. And then one of the hackers. Yeah. Without the eye patch, they would look the same. The because hacker, they're both. 
I think it to- I may know this is that are you talking about the hacker as the freckles? Yes. Because I was going to make a note. I appreciate that as a character identifying trait. Well, this is the thing, man. They had these two very plain looking redheads, hmm. and I can almost guarantee that at some point when they went, you can't tell these characters apart, and they went, oh, fuck it. Give one of them an eye patch and the other freckles, and that'll do. I mean, to be fair, one of them is like FBI pantsuit, and the other is just like casual clothes. So I, oh I yeah, because that that's because that's done. a massive distinction, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? Could you not tell people have a lineup from that? No, really? Yeah, because like that one might be on you then, because I feel well, like but that's... a pant a pantsuit is just a slightly nicer jacket. Yeah, and the other person was wearing like a a hoodie or just a t shirt or something. That's like... not enough to differentiate between two characters they should look different facially and they didn't i felt like for i i personally didn't have any issues identifying them now fair enough it might be because of the extra stuff that you're suggesting they put on for a reason dude if there were two people who looked exactly the same right and you saw one of them walking towards you and the only way you could tell the difference between them is that one of them wore suits and the other one wore hoodies it's not inconceivable that one of them would have turned up in a suit that day like, do you know what I mean? Like, clo- like clothes are not enough of a distinguishing feature. If if the clothes had vastly different silhouettes, then yeah, totally get it. If what if 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 one of them like you know there was something interesting going on in the silhouette of one of the outfits that they'd used, mm. that makes sense. But functionally, the silhouette of somebody in jeans and a hoodie is not that different to somebody in trousers and a blazer. Mm. I would only, my only counter would be, and I think you're onto something there, I, my only counter is the situation in which they're wearing these clothes in. So uh, specifically with the FBI agent, they're always walking along with the other FBI agent, they're investigating the crime scene, they're, they're doing stuff that is very trope heavy with like the, you know, films and TV shows where they're doing that kind of stuff. So I think for me, that stuff, I jump immediately to like, oh, they're the investigator or they're the the police officer who's investigating, who's who's probably playing by their own rules or they're really, you know, they're the sticking stickler for the rules and, you know, one of those tropes. But I feel like I've got such experience in that, that seeing her in the suit, I was like, right, that's the investigator one. I think I was, I would have more of what you're saying with the other one with the hoodie and stuff mm. because that was a far more left of field like, weird situation like yeah. that wasn't a tropey kind of thing like an investigator of a murder or whatever so, and like, i'm not i'm not i'm not saying the artwork's bad here it's just uninspiring yeah and to be fair we have noticed that with many artists where it, it just happens that they'll create two characters who look kind of similar and it's almost like they don't realize when they're looking at the entire board and it's only when they're then actually moving the pieces together and they go oh these ones actually look a bit similar i mean let's give one an eye patch something that's really easy to forget is that when you learn to draw, often you just keep drawing yourself. Mm. Um, and and I and, and again, I you know I've got a lot of friends who are really really great artists, and I look at their work all the time, and I often go, oh, they've just drawn themselves again there, and they haven't realised. Um, because you know, like we're very familiar with our own faces, and you return to form all the time, and you know, uh, musicians spit out the same four chords, and mm. novelists rewrite the same fucking book a hundred times. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's not. It's not a it's not a massive um, criticism of this as a comic book. Like it's a very common trope among artists. But again, throughout the art was just a bit uninspiring. I thought I did like some of the mixes of the styles. I took one in particular, which uh, just as an example of, but I, I appreciate this little kind of extra effort you don't see much uh, in comics. Yeah, no. So some of that stuff was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I and mean, it was it has its moments, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was like 
just passable stuff in between these gaps but then every once in a while there'd be a thing like that and i go oh that's cool and that was enough for me to get across you know i know i understand like if, as soon as you think of nice house on the lake like that that was a high bar not only for art and color but panel layout as well it which... was just really fantastic and again this isn't bad yeah panel layout was basic in this so i just did the job i found enough yeah i mean again there's nothing bad here there like... were a lot of um was it like four by twos, like real grids kind yeah. of readings, which I was a bit like, at this again? Like, there were some moments in there I was like, I'm not getting the, I'm not feeling this moment enough because it's in this kind of like sequential little panels kind of format. Yeah. So, other, but again, it didn't take me out of it. It was very, just, very few horizontal thirds. No, exactly. Which, which are, is really weird because that's like the standard, isn't it? I mean, depends who you, depends which art, uh, writer I think is, is, well, again, we, constantly mention this mystery of who is deciding the panel layouts like we we don't right know. i think i think we need to go get like we need to go intern at marvel we need to pretend that we want internships at marvel i mean just, i would i would genuinely want to but i see where you're going with this and just spend a few days nosing around yeah just like fiddling and going through all the ar- the archives and folders and meeting minutes and shit just to find out who does this stuff I mean, to be from what I've heard about how the art is done, I wouldn't be surprised if the writers are just kind of like spitballing in a writer's room and the artists are like chained to digital what's it painting things like, you know, the monkeys on typewriters thing. Yeah, they're like, just all there with syntaxes. And someone's like, ah, come on, draw and you know, that <laughs> kind of stuff. <laughs> but anyway, back to the comic. Infinite uh, monkeys on yes. infinite syntaxes will eventually Draw a panel of Spider-Man shooting radioactive cum into Mary Jane. And it was the best of times and the blurst of times. The blurst. Simpsons joke. Um, the blurst. You ever seen that? The blurst. No. So he's getting. It Mr. sounds Burns like a is, perfectly cromulent word. <laughs> it's a cromulent word, exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, another mix of the styles. There was a bit later where they have to use what they call good content to like de-brainwash someone but the, yes. the good content is literal photographs mm. and good point and a bad point the good point is the photographs really stood out they were high contrast so like yeah. like good imagery of like like flowers and puppies and that kind of stuff bit of a basic concept of like how to deprogram someone from like evil imagery or whatever but the actual images really stood out mm. but then what i noticed when looking at it, i was like oh the colors in this comic like really muted and gray like when i was presented with like high contrast real life photographs i was like oh this is a really gray comic oh like, it is all very muted isn't it mm. but most of it happens at night but even but even then and in the daytime like another a high contrast night comic is a nice house on the lake those night scenes in there were very like rich matte black yeah. with like and in Rich fairness, colors. I've just assumed it's all happening at night because it is all grey. That And yeah, that's the problem. Like, super washed out, isn't it? Yeah. And it kind of, when you've got these kind of themes, I think it's it's so tempting to go like dark and gritty, but it can just come off as a, a bit more boring to, to actually take in, unfortunately. Yeah, and I like the juxtaposition. I mm. like, I mean, I, I like really rich, sumptuous artwork. Something's Killing the Children was mostly night as well. And that was quite rich colours as well. Well it, well, it didn't have rich colours, did it? But there, but there was a lot of really well-placed colour. Mm, like the character's white tank top was always quite bright and like yeah. blood was always like a really rich red. And the pastels were all beautiful. Like it just looked great, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. This one was definitely a bit bleak throughout, which again, if you're matching the context of the story, I get it. But it's still like aesthetically, it still has its downside. Mm. But I also like, I just have issues. So 
getting onto the story. Yep. I just have issues with it consistently. Mm. Same, same, yeah. Um, And again, you know, you mentioned this earlier, suspension of disbelief is important. And there are lots of things that I'm able to suspend my disbelief for. But then there's certain other things that I just look at and go, well, you've clearly not thought this through for more than three seconds. Are you talking about some of the explanations? Some of them, and also just the core premise. So... The idea that somebody could murder 60 people in America without getting shot. I mean, it depends what part of America you're in. He's in a small... He's in... Small rural Pennsylvania, I think it was. Yeah, so, yeah, rural rural Americans aren't known for owning a shitload of guns or anything, Ryan. Yeah, but if you're in, like, a suburb, like, it looked like a proper white picket fence suburb kind of area. Yeah, where the NRA and the Republicans are, like... That is like gun-toting America Central. I think you might be like, I you're not you're not wrong that those people exist, but I think there is also like areas where they don't wear it on the hip. Like they might have it in a safe in the cupboard or a closet or something, which totally goes against the whole self-defense like I like defense of it, you know? Yeah. Like, what if someone breaks in? It's like, well, you've got it in a safe where you have to put in a combination of your handprint or whatever and it's like you're not going to be able to react that fast i'm pretty sure one of the rules as well is that the ammunition needs to be in a separate log box i guess but again depends on the state <laughs> yes because of like you go texas and they're like we're just wearing them on a holster on their hip for so, the entire day texas is an open carry state yeah. isn't it so you you have to, you have it on your hip but it has to be visible yeah and then i'm pretty sure other states are concealed carry states so you're allowed to wear it but you're not allowed to have it out, which seems weird to me. Mm. Like, I want to know which motherfucker's got a gun. Mm. But what I mean is, if you're in that area and you're not, and he, this guy literally just goes, he knocks on the door. This is obviously one of the core bits of the story, if we haven't mentioned is someone basically goes on a murder spree um, with a knife, which again is distinct from it not being a gun, with it being set in America and everything, yeah. coming from us Brits who are scared of guns, essentially, because we've never seen them in our lives. Yeah. For all intents and purposes. But it, I do know what you mean. Like, the fact that they went so far without being shot is surprising. But I think there is an element of this is playing into that, like, people feeling safe in their homes kind of thing. Like, yes. that's what, because that's the fear it's getting at. And I made a note of and it. And he's bamboozling them with the internet, isn't Yes, he? he's showing so... them this scary internet. And they're like, they, they, they kind of black out for a second. And then he, and then he kills them. Yeah, they the the fact that they're going into people's homes where they feel safe and they the messaging is meant to be you know they've opened the door to a stranger but they're just like hello how can I help you and then they've been murdered and that's that's the fear it's getting into and I feel like it speaks to that you know what used to be serial killers was the big thing with that like the the fear of being killed someone without motivation or like you know relatable motivation and then it went into like terrorist attack where the feeling you could be in a public place and then something could happen without your you know without your knowing proof beforehand or anything, and then going into like the whole school shooter thing and all that bollocks. So- I read a Reddit thread the other day about a guy who in the noughties gave a ride to a serial killer. I mean, that's probably, that's unfortunately not that uncommon. Like, if you look at all serial killer incidents. Yeah, yeah, so he gave the serial killer a ride, and um, he uh, he survived it. Yeah. He, gave, he, he dropped the guy was off one of the Beach Boys. Didn't one of the Beach Boys give Charles Manson a lift or something? Well, I mean, Charles Manson was a relatively well thought of musician, so he socialised in pretty affluent circles. Yeah. Um, But no, this guy gave the guy a ride and he didn't murder him. And it turns out it's because he bought him breakfast. Yeah. 
he pulled up and he bought the guy breakfast and the guy and like years later he found out that the guy was absolutely going to kill him but he said when being questioned i couldn't kill you know i couldn't kill somebody who bought me breakfast yeah and it's like had he had he had he had a few less dollars in his pocket and hadn't offered the guy breakfast he would have fucking wetted him yeah twisted logic uh same similar thing happened to same ed kemper who was the subject of uh, Mindhunter. Did you ever see that? No, but I'm familiar with it. Great David Fincher series about researching serial killers back in like the 70s or 60s even. Mm. But um, Marilyn Manson, they had a guy playing on there. But another guy was Ed Kemper, who was a um, serial killer. And one of the women he picked up to give a lift, uh, planning to murder them, uh, she, when talking, she's mentioned that her mother had cancer and his mother had cancer. So literally, when being questioned about it later, he was like, yeah, cancer's a bitch. Like, that's a real struggle. And uh, I didn't want to, you know, make her life any worse kind of thing. It's like, you have such a twisted fucking set of morals. <sighs> like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, I suppose they, they, they mostly do have a pretty twisted set of morals, don't they? Of course. And we're not going to get into, like, <laughs> breakdown. If, you, if you're into this kind of subject at all, watch Mindhunter on Netflix. Fantastic kind of breaks it down kind of thing. Really, really worth watching. I wonder what the Venn diagrammatic intersection is between comic literate listeners hmm. and like girlies who love mis- like true real crime podcasts. Well, I've seen from some of the statistics uh, from YouTube, we do skew mostly male. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that makes... That makes ultimate sense, doesn't it? And fair enough. And we're glad you're here, you know? Yeah, cheers, lads. And speaking of males loving comics, uh, back to the comic. Um, yeah, no, the point of, I, I think, I do agree with you that it is unusual they got so far without being stopped. Mm. But unfortunately, and I don't want to get into this too much of a tangent, but you look at events like Yavaldi recently and you know, relatively recently and things like that. And it's like, mm. maybe the police aren't that good at re- responding to incidences like they should be, you know? No, not, not saying British police are much better, but the you know, good guy with a gun theory doesn't really work out in the real world. Does not hold up, no, no. But uh, yeah, the story I definitely had my qualms with it as well. Um, in terms of like looking at more kind of the general story itself, I I did have an issue, not an issue. I thought it was interesting how much of the violence you might consider like gratuitous or mm. not. Um, it was a weird one because again, it opens with like a bunch of murder, basically. And I kind of wondered, like, on the one hand, it is contextually related. Like, the story is about violence and murder. So showing it for, even if it's for a bit of shock effect, it's like, well, yeah, but that's, that's what the story is. That You've read the blurb, that's what you get into. I feel like people don't care about murder. I think it looked, this one looked a little more, little more disconcerting. And I mean that in, like, a credit to the art and the writing. Because there was more, like victims faces and stuff like as it's happening like it didn't feel as much like you know in action films where the action here is like mowing down a bunch of nameless yes. goons and it's just completely desensitized and you just you know root it. you're like woo someone's leg came off or whatever this definitely felt a lot more woo. personal woo this definitely yeah. felt a lot more like personalized like there it was the, the the use of like knives and stuff like that obviously made it feel a lot more personal and you know worrying and felt like the person was getting more out of it which is always a disconcerting feeling as well i feel like it did a as it's as a goal it did a good job of making me go oh that's you know this is a bit bad and then being like here's the premise here's why this is happening and i'm like well i'm interested enough to see what's going on you know i mean maybe i'm just entirely desensitized to violence 
I found like I've I've definitely got more sensitive to pretty much most things as I've gotten older, you know? Yeah, I mean, you and I have had very different professional lives. I mean, we did work together for a while. <laughs> yeah, but think about all the shit I've done since then professionally. Well, you were that serial killer for a time, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been in some pretty weird situations, haven't I? Yes. Um, which I can't reference publicly on a podcast. I was wondering why you're getting into in the first because I knew that, so I was like, why is he bringing it up at all? Yeah, no, I was just musing on it because the violence barely even scratched the surface for me. That's right. I was, comp- I, you know, I mean, maybe I am just very desensitized to violence. Mm. I feel like I've, I'm trying to when I read a comic, I'm like trying to get into it. Like I'm trying mm. to give it like the best yeah, foot yeah, forward totally. and and. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's me. Maybe I'm just a uh, uh, weak-willed, sensitive. I'm a well, sensitive no. soy boy cuck, you know. Well, no, no. Let's not be self-effacing here. Um, it's all we do. It's all. <laughs> it's we, our it's brand. All, it's all we've got. It's our brand, Jamie. Yes. Um. No, because I, I think I think it was intended to be quite confronting, wasn't it? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Um. The only reason I thought about the violence, even as much as I did is because I was thinking about the gratuitous nudity. And that's when I started kind of comparing the two. Well, and, and this is it, because I was much more... I noticed the nudity more than the violence. Hmm. And isn't that, isn't that such an interesting part of the way I'm clearly conditioned? Well, to be fair, because I thought about this as well. And again, why I, the reason I was comparing the two at all was because I was thinking about what makes it gratuitous and whatnot. Because the violence didn't... I, for me, it's debatable whether the violence felt gratuitous or not. But I mean, the nudity, it's hard to have a comic book about murder without showing some murder. Isn't exactly. It? But the nudity felt very gratuitous. Like it just did. It felt like so over the top. Did not need to be there. It wasn't explained for any real reason. Yes, and I suppose what I'm saying is that in all actuality, no level of nakedness should be considered gratuitous because it is just a human being in their natural state, right? Yeah, but culturally it just is. Culturally it? it is, isn't it? And so it's such an interesting fact of our conditioning that we can reason away an amount of murder in a story because it needs to be there. Mm. But then as soon as there's some titties, we're like, oh, that's a bit inappropriate. And you're like, well, no, that's just where milk comes from, brah. Yeah, but then you could say the same about violence. You'd be like, it's just his guts coming out. Like that, like violence is as old as sexuality in human history. Yes, but sexuality doesn't hurt anyone. Violence does. Yes, but so there, there is a cultural norm where it's generally considered bad to be violent, right? And there's also a cultural norm where it's generally considered bad now to be naked. But actually, there's no obvious victim when somebody is nude. There is an obvious victim where somebody's being hurt. Yeah. And so I would argue the cultural norm towards wearing clothes is actually a bit weird. And the cultural norm towards not hurting people makes ultimate sense. And so it's really interesting that through modern media, we're super desensitized to one, i.e. we saw a bunch of murders. We, we bo- I didn't, it, didn't, it barely registered for me and you had the thought of like, oh, I wonder if this is gratuitous or not. Mm. And then we both saw some titties and we were like, wow, that's unusual. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I would argue that I think the, w- the way you put it of like, uh, and it's obviously, it's good and conditioned for us to not want to hurt people. Yeah. But I would say as human society, like it's only relatively recently the violence is like considered as bad as it is now. Whereas the... The evolutionary trait of like again defend your own but this whole like but attack defend yourself against the other and attack the other and how like you know armies recruit soldiers and everything like that like i think that stuff is still quite ingrained in us. i would argue that actually the cultural the cultural relationship we have with violence is ever-changing 
And I don't necessarily think it's been a one-way trend. You know, you said it kind of, you know, violence has become less acceptable. Yeah. I think that stops being the case under certain circumstances, and those circumstances are actually quite easy to meet. Mm. And very, very quickly, the rhetoric turns to violence. Like, it's such, a, it's such an ingrained part of our nature, unfortunately. And that's what, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Which is so weird, because human beings, when left... I mean, I, I personally think the human beings, when left to their own devices, will choose to help each other more often than not. I mean, I'd like to think that, but I, I don't know if I'd necessarily put bet money on it, you know what I mean? Yeah, potentially. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of my own experience, and I'm quite a sweet-natured creature. You are, you are. Maybe we need some anthropologists to like weigh in on this. And by that, I mean move on from the point, because I don't think we're going to give it the, the, the depth it requires. No, but it's interesting to think about, yeah, isn't we've it? Yeah, give, we've given it some musings, and yeah, absolutely. Like, Hopefully we've opened up the debate for the listeners, by which I mean comment below in whatever way you're watching this and give us your opinion there do you prefer sex or violence oh <laughs> i mean then <laughs> <laughs> back to the comic but no uh, to be fair like the the point i was gonna actually make as well is i think you are right the the in this setting the violence seems normal the nudity seems abnormal yeah but if you reversed it and if you were whether comic or tv or film or whatever medium if you were watching something that's more like rom-com or like thriller with like a sexually charged relationship or characters or whatever then the would the nudity then be more seem more acceptable then but if there was then sudden violence especially in a rom-com would then that violence would be like whoa what the you know like jesus christ you know what i mean what if colin farrell's character just started beating the shit out of renee zellweger in the middle of bridget jones diary i was thinking more like hang, got colin do you mean colin firth Colin Farrell. I was going to say, yeah, I was confused on <laughs> that Imagine Colin Farrell as like... The... I think he could do it. He's got range. Do you think? Do you think he's got the range for it? Colin, Fur Colin Farrell has so much range. I am so hyped for his uh, Penguin TV show coming out soon because he is unrecognizable under the prosthetics. Like his actual yeah. acting is amazing. Yeah. So yeah, he Colin can do Firth anything. Firth has range as well, though. He uh, he is good. He is good. Um, trying to think why he's. I mean, Kingsman. He was he's very so against type good there. in Kingsman. Mm. I haven't seen the second one. Apparently, it's shit. But yeah, uh, it is. Yeah, but yeah, I the think the first one was that weirdly though, because the first one was like big blockbuster film. Didn't expect much from it. Really enjoyed it. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Just kind of despite itself. Because the writing wasn't that great, but the performances were all fantastic. And it was like a really schlocky, over-the-top action that people just cut. I think that was, so that was coming off the trend after, and this is spanning years, but we were just kind of coming after the like, Bourne Ultimatum, yes. Craig Bond, like overly serious, overly realistic kind of yeah. spy movies. So when this one come up, it's like, he's got an umbrella that fires lasers. And everyone was like, oh, like the old ones. Yeah, let's do that again. And yeah, I think that it was, it was just like, you know, it goes in it goes in cycles and always goes against whatever just came before. And I imagine the Americans liked it because they were British and suave. I mean, we're always British and suave. I don't know what you're talking about. I've no, never I seen a geezer stalk... <laughs> Coming out of a pub in a tracks going like, oi, 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 what? Yeah. I've never seen that before. It's because we drink in nice establishments. <laughs> yeah, only, yeah. They're, but they're nicer now that we've, we start going. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we class up an area mm. just by patronizing it, don't we? Excuse me, what is this swill? Uh, can we get some IPAs and uh, maybe some microbrew ciders, perhaps? It's what we do when we go into a bar or pub. <laughs> And we've never been beaten up for it, which is surprising. Back to the comic. Back to the comic, yes. Um, how do you feel about the dialogue of the comic? Because 
I, I found very familiar in parts to Tinian's other stuff. And then other parts, I've got a lot of criticisms. So I skimmed a good chunk of what I read. The the only conversation I really remember sort of reading in detail was that initial conversation between Gibson's brother, his not-quite-girlfriend friend that he sometimes kisses, whose name I can't remember, Kawasha? No, it was a... It was a so her name is Fausta. There we go. Wait. So in his in that first conversation I see with them, it, the dialogue feels really naturalistic and mm. well integrated. And because I've cut it out, there is no uh, space where we were looking for that character's name. But the point, the reason I'm bringing it up is because they have dialogue together. And neither of them address the other by name because they already know each other. No, and I think... Which again, I'm saying is very naturalistic. And again, they don't do the, oh, well, I know you so well because you're my friend that I sometimes hook up with. You know, they, they they don't do the thing that happens a lot in comic books where they use exposition to introduce you to a character. Yeah. And so we, as the reader, are left with the same impression that everybody else in the comic book is, that they're partners, right? We see two people of two different genders going in a car together, talking about meeting each other's siblings, and exactly. we just assume. And I think it's really nice that they did that and they left it that way. They gave us... They left us with the same assumption that all the other characters had. And again, you know, when I, when you find out that they're not they're not actually together, you go, "Oh yeah, it was never implied. It was never even implied that they were together." Yeah, we just saw them together having a conversation. And so, on some levels, like this stuff is handled really well, and I liked that conversation. Um, I really liked the conversation between uh, the guy with the white hair who Avenger assembles his hacker friends. Yep. and one of his friends. When he kind of, you know, he like hacks his phone so that it has his number and the World Tree website on it and all that stuff happens. Their conversation there is really naturalistic yeah. and really plausible. I found there was actually like a dual kind of purpose going on there. One I liked and one I was a bit... Uh, so on the one hand, they are talking, they know each other and they know about what's happening. Mm. So they're not saying oh no, the undernet is back or anything yeah. like that. They're just saying, they're referring it to as it yeah. and things like that. So that, again, very naturalistic. That is exactly how it would play out, I think, in the real world if people were talking about this kind of totally, thing. Totally, totally. On the other, the, the dual purpose is because they're talking about it like that, it also very intentionally creates intrigue because they're yeah. talking about it's back and we're the reader we're going to go what it's like you know like that I so mean, they're it, showing not telling exactly like, fact, yeah. they're metering the story out in a really clever way yeah and so on on a lot of levels i think a lot of what was happening here was really good mm. you have more issues than me i think with this one i have just some issues with this, like some of the kind of technical explanate and the technicals are I put the wrong word I used there, but some of the explanation for the science it. fiction stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But, and again, this might be a thing of like, if you like, in terms of internet knowledge, I would describe myself as I know more than the average person, but after that, everyone else knows more than me. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. I'm, I'm right just above that average level, and then there's everyone else in the world who you're knows an informed way more. layman. Yes, sure. So there's an explanation later where it's in a flashback, and the main whitehead guy is talking about um hey guys i was just you know mindlessly clicking through links through broken and old dead websites and just you know going down this rabbit hole and then at that point i'm like absolutely fair enough i kind of see where he's going with this but you know that will make sense that's a real thing and then he uses some phrase which i took note of obviously unfortunately i don't have a note down which i thought i did but the explanation is basically along the lines of 
I think I broke through. I think I hit the bottom of the internet and broke through to the other side of an internet from another world. Like that's I'm ad libbing, but that is yeah. almost word for word what they said. And when I hear that, and I go, "That's not how the internet works." Well, no, that's science fiction stuff, is exactly. It? But that when you're when that's coming from what's meant to be the smart character, mm. that like again. If you don't know any stuff about it, then you you don't pick up on it at all. But for me, I was like, that's where you're starting to lose me here. Because I don't you think you have to have a particularly work, good working understanding of how the internet functions to know you can't break through the bottom of it and get to an alternate dimensions internet. But then this is also the same misconception about like you know the dark web. Like, have you heard that that explanation before? But people say like the internet, the face of the internet is is like an iceberg, and you only see the very tip of it, and that's like you know your Google, your Facebook, your Amazon, blah blah blah, and then then there's the under the iceberg, and it's a whole mess of internet that you never would go to, and it's where all the dodgy stuff happens. Like, that kind of explanation, and I think people always felt to that like, ooh, how do you access the dark web, like that kind of thing? Well, don't you need like a whole other you need to install shit into your computer, don't you? Yeah, so that's when you're getting into, like, accessing websites that have ex explicitly restricted access. So you need to go on this thing where you can... Basically, it's a difference between, like, websites to come up on a search engine or not. Like, yeah. that's kind of where you get into there. But the iceberg, the whole iceberg theory thing makes... That, that to me, feels like, oh, you could be on Amazon... And then you could accidentally stumble if you click enough links into right. a into a hire a hitman website or some bollocks like that. And that's what I'm talking about, like that kind of stuff where those kind of misconceptions, I think, can lead you into this kind of believability, maybe. Like, Yeah, I mean, do you know, that really resonated with me because I have this experience a lot. So I get it. Like if you're somebody who uses the Internet and you're using the Internet for heavy research into things that not that many people know about you do sometimes stumble on like just old broken bits of the internet yeah, like absolutely. old forum old forum posts that aren't indexed anymore or you know like fragments of dead websites and you know you kind of some of it's still active and some of it's still on the directory and other bits aren't and stuff like that like i get it i totally get they 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 they're using this quite i mean i think relatively common experience of actually looking for something specific on the internet and going down a bit of a rabbit hole mm. and then extending that to turn it into sci-fi so i don't see an issue with it it makes more sense to me than fucking um superman and that kind of superhero shenanigans yeah like it makes more sense to me than cosmic fucking treadmills yeah i th i guess and i i've probably made this point before but i i have the same like it, it this is trying to paint the world of like these people know the internet and it's very realistic dialogue. So mm. I think in my mind, I kind of put those two together. And then when I'm presented with something that goes, feels like it goes against those two points, then I'm like, oh, hang on, what? Whereas superhero stuff is like, there's Superman, he's flying through the sky, anything's possible. And, and I suppose this is the difference. Like, you've not really read any trad sci-fi, have you? Not properly, no. So really good traditional sci-fi, like yeah, Ursula Le Guin's and yeah, uh, what's his name? Ro I, Robot. Oh, Will Smith. Isaac Asimov. Um, I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Will Smith. I, th I think you'll find. <laughs> Their stuff will be grounded in... In realism. And scientific reality, and then deviate from that in certain points to make it science fiction, right? Hmm. This is a jump, and I agree with you that it's a clear contrivance, 
but I kind of respect what they were aiming for. Oh yeah, I, the concept as a whole, I'm on board with. I it, I think you have kind of nailed it there. It was just too much of a jump at yeah. one point. Like maybe if they got like edged more into it slowly, and then eventually, like it's that you know, was it the the frog in the boiling water kind of thing? Yes, which is bollocks, by the way. Yes, but it's a good ma- It's a good metaphor for this kind of stuff. Do you know the um the the guy who did that study was also had also separated the frogs' brains from their nervous systems. I didn't, but I'm not surprised. I <laughs> yeah. knew it was generally bullshit. I didn't know about that specific. He detail. was studying the parasympathetic nervous nervous system Hmm. and so once you remove that i think i think once you separated the frog's brain from its the rest of its nervous system you put it in the boiling water really quickly the nerves would all contract and it would pop out again yeah whereas if you put it in the cold water and heated it up it would stay there but again this frog was functionally brain lobotomized frogs yeah yeah. yeah he was he was lobotomizing the frogs before he was putting them in the pot ryan yeah which really does put them at a disadvantage yeah they didn't they didn't stand a chance but <laughs> I, I do think that is still a good metaphor for to use for stuff like and, this and and this is the thing that there's a lot of these little like scientific anecdotes that because but that that are really good metaphors for truisms and human nature yeah and so they've endeared for all this time because you know um i I, there's an expression that i always use with people which is there's nothing there's nothing more permanent than a temporary solution Mm. and it's the same as the frog in the water yeah you know um you you, you push it off long enough and never trust the temporary solution if you're not happy with the temporary solution don't do it because it will always more often than not it becomes the permanent solution yeah um and yeah it's it's that it's that kind of thing isn't it but i don't know where where we were going with the writing with this i think because there was there there was then a sudden jump from like i'm i'm with you on board this all makes sense it's very close to reality so I'm, i'm on you and then they jumped and i went it was too much of a leap that i went Ooh, i've noticed that and that took yes. me out a little bit, yeah. But um, again, that I'm nitpicking. I should say I'm not I'm not saying this like ruined anything for me. It was just it was one of many nitpicks that And you know how up. technophobic I am. Like how, you know, sort of skeptical of technology I am at the moment. I, I genuinely think that AI is the biggest existential threat to human life at the moment. And so I fuck with this story. Mm. <laughs> this story fully tuned itself into my current anxieties, right? Right. Like, particularly, you know that moment where um, one of Gabriel's dudes is inter- in, in uh, interrogating Gibson's brother? Can't remember his name. Mr. Lane, we'll call him. Sure. And he quotes a conversation back to him. And he's like, how did you know that? And he's like, come on, you know these things are always listening mm. to this. No, even, I, I appreciate that. They didn't even do like a, turns out your uh, phone's listening to you. It's already like, we know this. You knew this already. You strongly suspected it. I've all just confirmed it for And you. they are. Yes. Like, they oh, yeah, are always, they're always listening. You know, you fucking have a conversation with your friend about something they're in like you talk to your friend about a new hobby they've gotten into in the pub and then the next day you start seeing adverts for fucking golf clubs yeah like that's that's how our phones operate and so a lot of this was a natural extension of the things that kind of worry me about technology right yeah yeah um and so and so it, it it really tuned into what for me are like my biggest existential anxieties at the moment and i'm 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 not that atypical as a human being i'm not that unusual I can't be the only person who's concerned about this shit. In fact, I know that I know I'm not because I found a whole community of dumb phoners on Reddit mm, who yeah. also, you know, are kind of getting into the idea of having a dumb phone again. So I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who's concerned about this stuff. No, no, you're right. And I do think this one goes a little more explicit with like AI. It could, well, we don't know it's AI. It's meant to be more like a kind of 
alien otherworldly kind of thing. But I mm. see like the the parallels are quite strong. In this one, it's more like someone has been mentally infected and now they're killing people. Whereas yours is more like society is going to collapse, like a more of a grander kind of issue. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what my concerns. Are. My concerns are all of the concerns that people have, and I th- and yeah, I think you're right. Like this was less focused on like an artificial intelligence. But the problem is, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. I think the verbiage we're using for AI is really flawed because once it's intelligent, I don't know if it's artificially intelligent or if it's just non-human intelligence. Mm. Like, I, re- I really think we should be using the phrase non-human intelligence instead of artificial because I don't think like a truly sentient AI like this, there's any artificiality there. Well, like, it's genuine. It's real. Once something is sentient and intelligent, it's real, isn't it? It's not yeah. artificial. I think the artificial is is in distinction with like biologically natural i think is is the line we're drawing there and and obviously on the biological side as we are we're looking the other side going well that's artificial like we're we're real like we were you know we've come from what existed before you guys were made in a lab so that's like the the difference i think yeah i mean it's gonna be as real as us soon yeah and I just wanted to say, uh, for anyone who's listening, I think artificial uh, intelligence is great. Uh, and if anyone's reviewing these files in the near future or what have you, and you're kind of deciding what to do with people um, based on their rhetoric from before, I just want to say I'm a big fan. And uh, I look forward to our AI overlords. So moving on from that, and uh, obviously you know you know who you to go fucking for. fucking bootlicker. You know who to go for. If, you uh, if it comes fucking bootlicker. Push comes to shove, you know who to throw at the boat. Um, <laughs> what the Whereas I- I'm there shirtless, face-painted, full Rambo with a bow and arrow taking out the machines. I feel like they're just drone you at that point. Wow, uh, mate, I, how many drones do you reckon I could take? Zero. You- Zero drones. <laughs> there's a, there's a, I saw a clip and it was literally a reporter talked to a drone maker and they was like, so can you tell if a drone's above, like flying overhead or anything? And they go, well, there's one above us right now and you haven't noticed. Like it's that like level. Wow. Like, yeah, exactly. Fuck. One thing I did find interesting, which I think you might agree, is noticing parts from the previous stories we've read from, from Tinian. So mm, the, yes. the group of friends who haven't seen each other in ages and yeah, have come back together was yeah, very yeah. nice us on the lake. Alternatively, this secret group who know everything that's going on was and very something's killing the children. Exactly. And you can, I think like once you get to, especially with this writer on this third story that we've read by them, we are seeing kind of the familiar patterns. As literally you said a minute ago, it's like writers and artists will do the same things over and over again, but they'll just rephrase it represent it in different ways yeah i mean i and, and and again i don't often there's an inclination to think of these things as refinements and i don't think this is a refinement of the formula for him mm. um like i think it's like a mixing of stuff he's done before yeah i mean so the the gathering of the group in nice house on the lake was really central to the story yeah and so it was really well meted out and we we saw like a really deep and intense snapshot of all of these relationships and we saw them evolve and change over the intervening period between, you know, when the guy, the, the alien dude met them and then when they ended up in the lake. Whereas here, it's kind of dealt with over a page or two, isn't it? Yeah. Like they knock it out. And again, I suppose it's a trope that he's using and it's an idea that he's clearly quite fixated on. But here it's not as central, so it's not as good. And, you know, right at the end of what where we read up to, like issue three, four, we start to see a little bit of that coming through 
Yeah. Um, the female character, I, don't, I can't remember her name, so, and Keanu Reeves, I yeah. can't remember his name. Before we go to, I think we're getting into spoiler territory. I'm surprised we haven't already, but like we've just talked about the general story as it's been. There's some plot points in like, if we're talking about this first volume, we're getting into like the latter part of that. So yeah, at this point, if you want a recommendation, I'd say it's interesting enough that it's worth a read. Yeah, it's fine. But also of the three Tinian stories written of, of, that I've read, this is the third. Yeah, totally. Not totally. by too far. Like, it's, it's not like a distant third, but it's like, it's easy to pick. Like, obviously it goes, I think we agree, it goes, Nice House on the Lake is number one. Yeah. Something's killing the children. And then, um, and then this one. So it's, yeah. yeah. But if you like the premise and you like some gratuitous violence, check it out. And some nudity. Uh, yeah, well, oh, I'm going to get into that as well again. But Don't uh, put the nudity after the spoiler warning. It's the <laughs> best bit no it's on page we've already gone into the nudity it's on page one yeah. but there are some different uses of nudity which i thought were actually more appropriate but yeah you were getting into the characters who well two of the characters start having sex don't they well i mean they used to date in high school and that's the yes. thing and, and we see them and you know she she's talked about having lots of children or three or four kids she said she had yeah and somehow she's just managed to leave them all and go adventuring yeah i did it's a little bit in it gone adventuring (laughs) sorry that's really funny phrasing because i play D &D. um you can you could do a dd campaign like the techno virus or has has escaped and don't and there's a nude woman (laughs) (laughs) she's just nude all the time i just can't invite you to that campaign because you'll know what's going on yeah um yeah so they they we we kind of get a bit of insight into their relationship and admittedly the moment they start having sex and we see the naked lady in the background and we think they're going to get killed and then it turns out she's cassidy's sister yes that's pretty dope so i saw that coming from marloff which is because of the rare, white hair well not, the hair's a big one like literally someone goes that guy had white hair like the girl like yeah. they said that what i thought was interesting was i don't know if you got to it but in issue five there's a plot point there which has gotten across far more subtly. No, I didn't. Well, so I didn't get that far, did I? In so. issue five, um, our, while they're dealing with the stuff in that room with those characters, mm. it reveals that globally a bunch of people have started going on murder sprees. Yes. Okay. It, very cool. heavily influenced by the undernet or whatever. Right. Um, that and the way it goes, it literally so the the FBI agent is calling her boss and be like yeah, I think I'm going to need a bit of backup. And the boss is like, can't, because we're dealing with a lot of other shit. And then it literally just cuts to a bunch of feeds, like social media feeds of people getting murdered. But then that, to me, I was like, I like how subtly they introduced it. Because I like that, like, you don't, you're, you're just going along with the story go, fucking hell, what, what and just happened? throughout, Cassidy and the guys have been talking about the fact that this is going to be really serious and they don't yeah. know how they're going to contain it. Yeah. And so I like that there's an escalation here. But my the other point I was going to make was if they needed, and it felt like they, they did, an issue four cliffhanger, which was the penultimate issue before the, the end of the, this first volume, that to me would have been a better one because I saw the, the sister thing coming from quite far off. So I think the, yeah. sis, the sister one should have been a bit more like, oh, right, yeah, she is my sister. Like, it, you know, like as he kind of would have, then the reveal is like, the characters being like, oh my God, guys, check, check your phones. And then they go, oh no! And then it's 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 spread globally. Like I, that would have been a better cliffhanger for me. Again, I'm nitpicking because there's not there aren't any glaring issues with this. I say that as a comic that I only kind of like 
tepidly enjoyed. Yeah. There wasn't anything that went, oh, this, I can't enjoy it for this or that reason. So I am nitpicking little parts because there's yeah. not much wrong with it. There's a lot of good with it. The dialogue's great, I thought, and like the, the story was interesting enough to keep me engrossed and stuff. But then because there wasn't as many high points, I'm kind of latching onto like the smaller issues and details and stuff like that. I wonder if this is going to get good later on. Potentially, potentially. I, I was working from the assumption that this was a seven issue run and that... No, I think it's still ongoing currently. Oh, right. Okay. Well, okay. So that completely recontextualizes it for me. Right. So they've done a really solid job in setting up what could be a really fantastic run then. Potentially. But then I always, I kind of argue the point. It's, this is a weird one because I'm on both sides of this. On the one hand, I think if a story is good, it should be good from the start. Like I, I don't like this, like recommending to people, like it gets good after this point. That being said, I also recommend things in that exact way because some yeah. things are just like that but that's i am in agreement that's a point against something for that like mm. my one exception to that which i think kind of proves the rule is invincible invincible takes a, a bit of a time to get into like the proper heavy stuff but i think that gives the heavy stuff a lot more weight once you get into it because they've built up this kid in school who suddenly powers and you think it's going to be all nice and wholesome and oh shucks he's learning to be a superhero his dad murders a bunch of people exactly and that has so much more weight in like what issue seven or eight yeah so that's a bit down the line i suppose like eight months after like beat initial release we've talked about like the dynamic ceiling yeah i feel like opening with 60 murders sets your dynamic ceiling quite high yep yep definitely um and then not there's not Apart from more other violence and murder, but there's nothing as like high octane as that. Well, uh, I say that there's a lot of like computer hallucinations and yeah. bits like that, which are intriguing, but don't move the plot as forward as I would like. Do you know what this reminds me of? The best way I can describe this comic book in the in the tone and the way it makes me feel. Mm. You know all the scenes of the Matrix that are outside it's the Matrix. Very Matrixy, yeah. But but not when they're in the Matrix. No. All of the scenes in the Matrix film that take place outside of the Matrix. This is what this reminds me of. The when they go so ironically, for me, when they're not in when they're not doing undernet stuff, it feels like in the Matrix. Yeah. And then as soon as they as soon as this story goes into the undernet, then it feels like outside of the Matrix because it's just another world type thing. Do you see what I mean, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. As soon as you said Matrix, it just clicked. I was like, yes, 100%. Yeah. Um, one thing with the hallucination stuff I noticed, it made me rethink the gratuitous nudity of the character. By the way, that woman's name, like in the comics, she's listed, her name is PH3... Fear. Yeah, fear, fear. It's fear, yeah. So but it's what, with numbers. In issue five, do we find out why she's naked? Because no. I haven't read it. No. Right, okay. But the, but the, and here's the problem is it's still not explained. It still seems very gratuitous. The fact and you know what? If she was naked all the time, so all that's hinted at is that she's basically been possessed by the undernet. Like that's the kind of a loose explanation given. If she was naked a hundred percent of the time, I would have jumped to okay. If you're possessed, you're possessed by something that doesn't need clothes or doesn't you know a, an alien thing that clothes aren't even a concept yeah so why would it bother wearing them like yeah, that's fair totally enough. but the fact that she puts on those overalls which do not overall <laughs> no they over some no, no. <laughs> overall more like over some right but the fact that her character puts them on and then takes them off later then i'm like well what 
so it's a choice then. It's a it, nudity is a choice in this character because at one point they choose not to be nude. Nudity is always a choice, Ryan. But it's it's weird, isn't it's it? It's the right choice. It, but it's you. You see what I mean? Like yes. it's not just me. It's not me picking on random details. No, I do. I do. I'm being facetious. Yes. But then the comparison I thought was odd was contextually accurate nudity. Was one you have the two characters having sex, so that obviously mm. is like appropriate nudity. But I thought the other one was good was when the character whose name Fausta or Forster, um, yeah. she gets sucked into the undernet and she's having this kind of computer hallucination kind of thing. She's suddenly naked. Mm. And that for me, like in the similar way to the violence, that for me was more of a empathetic, like, oh, the character's vulnerable. Like you you wake yes. up in a, a place that's, that doesn't even look like reality and there's monsters and you're running away from them and you're naked. Like that nudity felt like you empathize with how vulnerable the character felt. So by presenting me with these two very contextual, very like reinforcing the meaning of the scenes, and then you've got Beer just walking around, tits out, fucking mound of pubes just on display all the time. I was like, yeah. why is she doing that though? So that's that was my mini rant of like weird choices that were being made here. And and hopefully, I mean, again, now that I know that there's more, there is going to be more than just these seven issues. Like, it's not unfeasible that we will get answers to these questions. Yeah, of course. I mean, um, yeah, but but at what? How long can you leave something like that? Where then it just keeps taking the reader out. And go, well, why are they doing that though? Yeah, like, potentially. And it doesn't. And the problem is, if it was any other character choice. It would just be, ooh, that's interesting. I wonder what's happened is when you've got a very attractive naked woman. We're getting in, some in insight into your taste here, Ryan. <laughs> We're just getting some insight into your taste. I'm what? Because I'm complaining about it. No, no, no. Cause, well, you said she's a very attractive naked woman. Is she not? Clear. Well, I mean that that is entirely dependent on taste, isn't I it? I feel like she's a very conventionally attractive person, but beyond the the weird tattoo markings and stuff like that. So tattoos are weird, are they? Yeah. You've heard it here They're first, not guys. Right, right, Ryan isn't into tattooed people. I have a tattoo, so... Like, oh, yeah, you do. You, ha you have you, a tattoo. I w and, and very notably, was not born with it. So I think calling well, them unnatural not. is fair enough. I popped out of all mine. Is that why they're shit? <laughs> Tattooers was doing it through the womb. You should have... Dude, that joke would have been funnier if you'd actually had the balls to say I, it. I kind of... You know when you don't know if something's going to be like a, a, a pressure point? <laughs> You're I, like, am we, I gonna upset him? Yeah, have we unlocked a bit of trauma <laughs> that you didn't know we had? No, no, that wouldn't but, have upset me. I would have enjoyed it. Well, next time I'll go whole hog and aim to destroy you. Which is why her. I made the joke at yes. you. <laughs> yeah. But what my point was, again, this is uh, even uh, excluding personal taste, like she is like model-esque figure woman. Yeah, no, I was being naked. And that to me, when you when that's just confronted with you constantly, it feels like is, are you just trying to get people in the door of the story? You know, like, look, naked woman, what's she going to do next? Yeah, potentially. But then I am, I feel like maybe I'm being too harsh on someone who has established themselves as a very thoughtful and good writer, you know? So maybe, I don't know. It's, yeah, but we've seen good shit from bad writers and bad shit from good writers What in the time we've done yep. this podcast. Yep. Not everyone can be a winner, can it? No, but uh, uh, well, we're, un un we're enlightened readers by by having to be from doing this podcast well yeah i mean i think we have to be relatively thoughtful mm. just to make it work at all yeah again maybe i'm just talking in circles about things that didn't quite make a 
a lot of sense to me. So I think that one character being naked all the time is more surface level than we're giving it credit for. Um, I think we're making quite a lot out of it, whereas actually it's just an aesthetic choice around one character. Hmm. Although it is kind of weird when he introduces her to all of his friends and he's yeah. like, this is my sister. Yeah, he's, he's used to the nudity. Yeah, because like if my sister wandered up to me naked, I'd be like, can you put some fucking clothes on, love? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'd be like, are you okay? I'm would, fine with the murder. <laughs> it's the nudity. Yeah, that I have would an you issue would you like a blanket? Which, coming full circle to <laughs> I think the title of this episode might have to be like violence and nudity. And you know, just like a, a shrugging emoji. A sh- the shrugging yeah, emoji. Shrug emoji like, mm? Yeah, know? do it. Do yeah. it. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> in brackets, shrug emoji? Yeah, I I'll think put you that. can put emojis in YouTube video titles now. Yeah, but I don't think on the podcast catches aggregators i don't think so oh yeah so I'll, I'll in brackets i'll put shrug emoji and just see how that works do it that, yeah. that's what needs to happen here yeah my only other point as well i don't know if you noticed this but as we get introduced more of the hacker group i did find some of the characters a bit whedon-esque quippiness do you know what i mean yeah yeah and that's unusual for tinian because normally he's very specific with who he gives that to like nice yes. like you had one character who was like that and that worked because that was their character trait. Yeah, totally. This totally. one, we are getting a little bit of like, you guys having weird conversations for what's meant to be a very serious situation, which is the most Whedon-esque aspect you can give to character writing. Yeah, I suppose it is, isn't it? Mm. But again, uh, like, yeah, I mean, yeah, no, you're right. People are quippy. Yeah. I really, there was one conversation that I really, really liked just to zoom in on it a bit. The ingrown hairs? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. But again, that the setting fell odd for that one. Well, that's what I liked about it. Mm. And maybe that's just on reflection because I'm that person. Who will have that conversation while in the process of burning someone's house down. Yeah, totally. Like, mm. you know, I'll just be... And again, my professional life is really fucking weird. Mm. Um, And so, you know, you'll just be doing something weird. And like, when she said, it's always oh, your turn. And he said, what do you mean it's your turn? Yeah. And she went, well, I've just told you my thing. And it's like she just refuses to be on the surface level with this person in that moment. Yeah. In that moment, she really wants to dig into what makes that person tick and what makes them who they are. And someone who she knew very well in the past, but hasn't seen for 20-ish years or whatever. Yeah. And so I just thought that fundamentally that was really interesting and really human. And again, like those are some of the most memorable conversations I've ever had with people Mm. where you're with somebody that you don't really know and you just kind of let the... I mean, maybe you don't do this as much as I do because we're different people. Mm. But that like that level of artifice goes away and suddenly you're just talking to somebody on a really human level in a really weird set of circumstances and it just feels really natural. And so that was like... That's something you wouldn't have seen in a Marvel comic. Yeah. Like they, you just wouldn't have got that in a comic from the big two. Yeah. I mean... Th- I would say some, there are some comics where they do that, and we've had this conversation before, where it's normally writers who are doing lesser paid attention to characters, and they can experiment yeah. more with stuff like that. Hawkeye by Matt Fraction is a good one for that mm. kind of dialogue. That is something we're going to have to do one day, because I think you'll really enjoy that. But yeah, um, I do like that they put that trait specifically to that character, that woman. She she has those conversations where she just out, she will just come out with whatever's on her mind. So yeah. I appreciate that. But again, there was some quippiness, not full on, not Tony Stark, Deadpool, Spider-Man, but it did get a little bit as we went on. There was one character who just laughs at, he says something like funny and then laughs at his own funny thing Mm. afterwards. And that was like, well, that's annoying me. 
but then I there are people who are like that. Mm. So it's just that is like that is who that character is. Yes. So fair enough. Yeah, I think we've covered kind of as much as we can. Well, we've talked I mean, about it. Yeah, like, in this, you know, it wasn't exactly a comic that I was excited to talk about. There was a lot to say, but I wasn't like it didn't kind of grab me in a way where it was either so good that I wanted to praise it, and it also wasn't so bad that I wanted to shit on it either. You know? Yeah. Well, this is it, isn't it? And again, like neither of us really had any kind of pre. We only read this. We only decided we were going to read this like yesterday, didn't we? Exactly. Yeah. So we haven't had very long to ruminate on it. Um. Again, like I don't feel that we've really covered the comic today, but we have just chatted about it, which you know, on some level is more interesting to me. Yeah. But then again, apart from like violence and murder the plot didn't really move that much and this no. was still like the first volume this and is the, very much the first act of this yeah, play isn't it but the only real plot points were these characters are related as siblings and it's spread to the larger world yeah and also there's a bit afterwards in the issue five where that guy i can't remember his name but the guy who is the whitehead guy he turns off the internet as oh, like does a, he? yeah as like a safeguard turn that he off put and on place. again well, no, leave, leaves it off, like, just in case, like, bit, cool. of mur- bit of murder happening, let's just cool it down for a little bit, you know? God, imagine what would happen if the internet got turned off. I think chaos, I think, would be, uh, be alright. But we're, you know, well, I mean, we're alright, we're in the rural bloody arse of nowhere of England, basically, so. Yeah, but even so, like, so many of the normal day-to-day things that we do are reliant on the internet, and so much of the physical infrastructure that used to allow those things to happen no longer exists. True. So, for instance, if the internet got turned off tomorrow, have you ever tried? Have you tried to bank in branch recently? <laughs> no. Like your access to your money would disappear. True. Like we all use. Although, could we, you not hit a cash point? Would that not be the same? Like a you know a hole in the wall cash point? Yeah, but there's not ATM enough, for the American. There's not enough cash anymore, though, is there? I don't know. I mean, I don't know they do. I don't know how the system works. Yeah, there's more currency in circulation now than physical currency. Right. Because. They doesn't they need, need to, yeah. They don't need to have that much physical currency because they're so we wouldn't have access to all of our money. Mm. Certainly, if you've got more than like a couple hundred quid in the bank, which I hope for your sake you do, you wouldn't have access to uh, your let's, money. Let's not start getting into finances and who's who's got what or who who's hasn't got, got what. what and, but you it, know, I, I didn't mean you. I yeah, meant yeah, you, the I listener. Know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, like we wouldn't we wouldn't have access to all of our money. Mm. Um, I don't. Medical shit would just be fucked yeah like i mean i work my all of the systems i use for my job are by the internet and i have a fucking government job <laughs> like I, mm. I you know I, I work i work for my local council um yeah no like the idea of turning the internet off as much as i'm a techno skeptic everything would cease to function i'd say you're definitely more of a let's like let's like calm the internet down not just kill it completely i think yeah so i think the internet is beautiful and i've had a i've had a you know a fascination with the internet ever since i had access to it when i was a teenager i didn't really get access to the easy access to the internet until i was in my teens um because i love information and yeah. I, and, I, and i love the speed at which i can get access to certain information what i don't necessarily like is the internet being the key and sole way that we access so many of the things that we need to do in life yeah, but and we're well past the pale on that, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. Beyond I mean, the pale, that's the correct. And, and again, it's so much more affordable to just put something online than it is to have actual people in a place mm. that you can go to that is open between this time and this time every single day to make these things happen. 
And so while it exists, people are obviously going to make use of it. But I actually think that, like, yeah, if the internet got turned off tomorrow, we'd all be a bit fucked mm. for a little while at least. And luckily, the internet has not been turned off, which is why I recommend going back through all our previous episodes, downloads ones you haven't seen, <laughs> uh, find us on YouTube, shorts, you know, just leave a like and a comment, you know, wherever you can, while you, the internet's still active. You fucking soulless <laughs> capitalists. And like, share and subscribe. So thank you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, next week, because uh, we haven't talked about it. Let's but, not tell them what we're doing next week, because like, this hasn't worked out very well thus far. I think we can do the next one just fine. Um, What's the next one? Uh, next one's good time with Dune, so there's some Dune comics. Oh god, that is that what we're doing? Yeah. Do I have to look at badly illustrated Timothy Chalamet? No, because it's not. It, it's not like a tie-in. I think they are just like comics, because they're because they're based on the books that originally came out. So they are right. tie-in with the original books, not the current thing, okay, not the cool. current films. Cool. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Next week we're going to talk about Dune, and I'm really excited for it. Dune or Dune? I don't know which is. Sand Dunes. Dune, Dune sounds correct. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to leave us a comment, you can leave us a comment. I love it when you do that. You'd like to review the podcast, just give it five stars, review it wherever you get your podcasts from. It's even better if you leave us a mean comment while you do it. Love mean comments. We love mean comments, five star reviews. That's what really gets us off. Um, e- email, um, if Tell that still exists. Think. Yeah, comicliterate at Thank you so much for listening and goodbye. And email us and tell us which do you prefer, sex or violence. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs>